this implied volatility, this again, this sort of esoteric embedded component in the option price that only like real options nerds trade, it actually went up and I was long a boatload of it. And I look at that and I'm counting my money. This is great. You know, it's quarter million dollars, something like that. Hey, you know, this is a great day. So the implied volatility went up, but something really weird happened. <laughs> the money in my account <laughs> went down. <laughs> it went down a lot. <laughs> and it's not supposed to work that way. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Dan Passarelli. Dan, are you ready to rock? I am ready. All right. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. Dan is a trader and author and a world-renowned trading expert, a former member of the Chicago Board Options Exchange and Chicago Mercantile Exchange, a frequent contributor to Bloomberg Business Television, Fox Business News, CBOE TV, and a resource to journalists. An invited speaker educating traders for organizations such as NASDAQ, CBOE, the International Securities Exchange, CME Group, Fidelity Investment, TradeStation, TheStreet.com, and let me catch my breath, the Shanghai Futures Exchange, just to name a few. He's also, and this is interesting, a marathon runner, a musician, and a world traveler. Dan, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Well, I think that pretty much covers most of it. Got a family. I sleep when I'm not doing those other things. <laughs> you may not be able to sleep a lot after all of those things. My goodness. Okay, well, let's get started then. It's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. You mentioned uh, when you were introducing me, you know, I was a member of the Chicago Board Options Exchange, and I was for a while. And, you know, like any other career, kind of start at the bottom. I started as a runner and worked my way up. And, you know, at the height of my career, you know, I, I ended up being one of the bigger trade in my pit. So I, I would end up putting on some pretty sizable positions. So that's, that's sort of the background that's kind of important to this story. <laughs> As an option trader, you know, sometimes there's some pretty esoteric trades that come into the pit. And so I made markets in the Ford Motor Company uh, stock options. And at this point, oh, it's probably somewhere around the year 2000, something like that, 2001 maybe, uh, Ford was having a really, really sort of um, unique scenario. They were spinning off $20 worth of cash. A lot of people don't realize Ford used to be a $46 company, and then they spend, spun off 20 bucks cash. And it was one of these scenarios that even though I'd already been a market maker, you know, I'd been a member of the exchange trading on the floor for a long, long time, and, you know, I traded a lot. I, I never saw anything like that. And I didn't think too much of it, you know, but some of the big brokers started coming into the pit and they started selling all these options. And so the way being a, a mark maker on the floor works is, you know, you're kind of a, the, the mechanism for supply and demand. You buy some at, at this price and then you sort of lower your price if you want to buy more and you lower your price if you want to buy more, just like you learned in high school economics when you're studying supply and demand curves. But what was really going on is, is we were buying what they call volatility, which is, you know, that's kind of option nerd esoteric sort of stuff. I bought a lot of options. 
with like thousands and thousands of contracts. And for those of you who are familiar with options, I had a big position in what they call Vega, which is the volatility exposure. For listeners yeah. that don't know that much about it, you mentioned two things that I would love for you to clarify. As you said, the big guys started to come in and selling options. What direction were they betting on? And the second question would be, when you did your Vega volatility, you were betting not on a direction, but on just that it's going to be volatile? Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a great question. Let me clarify that. So here's what's really interesting about this. Um, when the big brokers were coming into the pit, they were selling both directions. <laughs> they were selling calls. They were selling puts. They were selling any options that we would buy. And so we kind of thought that that was strange. And so when people do that, what they're really doing is they're trading in such a way that we call uh, delta neutral. Now, I know like, you know, for people who are not options traders, this is, you know, a little bit esoteric. But, but what that ultimately means is you're taking a, a position in volatility. Now, this volatility position, basically, they were selling it and we were buying it. So we had positive exposure to volatility. Got it. If the market had a big move in either direction, in either direction, we would win. But also if the volatility components sort of embedded in the options price. And that was really the important part of this story, that what they call implied volatility. It's this volatility component that's embedded in an options price. In the same way we're like uh, an insurance policy, if it's a high risk driver, the premiums are higher. It works the same with options. Anyway, you know, for those of you who are real familiar with options, I was long about 80,000 Vega, which is yeah, a lot of people consider that a fairly big position. <laughs> and what that means is that for each implied volatility point, it rose, I'd make $80,000. So that's sort of the straightforward proposition that I had. Now, on the X date of this whole thing, when the cash was actually spun off from Ford Motor Company, Guess what happened? Volatility, this implied volatility, this again, this sort of esoteric embedded component in the option price that only like real options nerds trade, it actually went up and I was long a boatload of it. It went up, I forget exactly how much it was, you know, it was uh, 18 years ago or something like that, you know, two, three points, four points, something like that, you know? And I look at that and I'm counting my money, this is great, you know, a quarter million dollars, something like that, hey, you know, this is, this is a great day. So the implied volatility went up, but something really weird happened. <laughs> the money in my account <laughs> went down. <laughs> uh, it went down a lot. <laughs> and it's not supposed to work that way. The math did not make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. And I found myself down uh, about a half a million dollars, which, you know, I mean, being a really big trader, I mean, I was able to absorb it. Actually, my risk manager during my lunch break said the words to me, he goes, well, we're not going to fire you, but. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it wasn't a good day. I, I just, I, I didn't understand it. And then, you know, after the close, I sat down with sort of some of the brainiacs in the office and they're like, oh, okay, so here's what happened. You know, there's this weird mathematical quirk in the options pricing model. And because there's not, you know, volatility on cash and, you know, like that's why this happened. And I just kind of walked out of the office that day, a little bit bleary eyed, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, well, now I get it. <laughs> Let me ask you a question about that. You said at the beginning that the share price was about 47 and the company was generating cash of about 20. 
So what you were thinking was you were looking at the volatility of the overall 47, but actually the 20 component was a, just a non-volatile cash component is the way the market saw it or the way the Black-Scholes you know, uh, model that's used to calculate volatility. Is that something along the lines of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. You've got it right on the head. That's exactly it, you know. But, I mean, I'd never seen that before. And to be fair, like, everybody in our pit had never seen that before. I mean, they sucked millions of dollars out of our pit. And so when the big brokers were coming in and starting to sell all kinds, you know, calls and puts and stuff, were there are some people that were very aware of this because maybe they'd seen it in their 30, 40-year history and you were a new guy and other people on your team didn't see it? Or what was the situation like in that case? Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things. I mean, I've told this story to professional traders who have been trading 30 years and they're like, wait, what? Uh, no, wait, how does that work? What do you mean? So it, it's one of those things that like a handful of traders who have seen it or just like they're really, really smart and really, really get, you know, the pricing model. I mean, there's a handful of people who know this uh, and typical people don't. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't super new in my career, but even the guys who were down in the pit for 20 years before me, they got us all. Yeah. Interesting. So now if we look at this, what are the lessons that you learned from this experience? You know, a couple lessons. The first lesson is I learned a whole lot about uh, how volatility and, and the pricing model and, and cash, uh, the cash component of a stock's value work. Just sort of that actual obvious straightforward lesson. But you know, like sort of the big picture lesson is you have to evolve or die. You know, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep learning because there's always somebody smarter than you. And if you want to be great, you can't rest on your laurels and think, oh, I know this. You know, there's stuff you don't know and you can be better and better and better if you make yourself better. Fantastic. I love that one. I mean, in fact, that's uh, what I always say about finance. When I came into it, it was like, I realized that there's just an unlimited amount of knowledge. And we're talking on video, the audience can't see that. But if they could see behind me, they'd see a lot of books. And I'm constantly reading, trying to learn. And I just feel like that's one of the fantastic things about the world of finance is that it's ever evolving. Unlike some of the physical sciences, you may say that, well, once you learn the law of gravity, it doesn't change. But if you think you've learned the option, you know, Black-Scholes volatility option models and stuff, all you're learning is a model. And a model is a framework. It is not a law. It will not always have the same outcome as a law does. And so that part, I think, is something that's fun about finance that we share is that that desire to learn more. I would like to take two things out of your story that I take away and then let me know if I've missed anything. I think one of the things that's important for the listeners to understand is the concept of anomalies. What, what, what you've described, Dan, really to me is what I would describe as an anomaly, something that's a very, very, very rare occurrence, such a rare occurrence that maybe many of the market players have never even seen it. Even if we've covered all of our risks, there are still, and anomalies could be, you know, earthquakes. <laughs> anomalies could be natural disasters, but there could be many others. But here we just have a technical anomaly, something very, very rare that many people hadn't seen. And the second thing is the value of long-term experience. And I want to just tell a quick story. When I was a broker, I was a sell-side analyst in Thailand, and it was about 1996, and I was doing a lot of strategy research. And I remember I went to London and I met with a guy named George Robinson. 
and he has a firm in, in London called Sloan Robinson. And basically, I remember it was 1996 and I walked in and he had had the job that I had had in Thailand as head of research at the number one foreign broker at the time, which was called WI Car. And I walked into the meeting that I had with him with my strategies, charts and graphs and all that I've been working on. He said to me, listen, I'm not going to let you in the off unless you're on the right side of this. And he said, I want to ask you one question. Are you positive or negative on Thailand? And I said, I'm negative. He said, come in. And the reason why he was doing that was because it was 1996. Everybody was positive on Thailand. It was a booming time. Nobody could even imagine that anything could fall apart. And particularly, they thought that the government was telling us that we, there was $40 billion in reserves. The currency was safe. It was pegged. No problem. But here was a man who had many, many years of experience in Thailand specifically. And then when he went back to London, looking across the whole world. And he and I just ripped through this presentation, looking at all the weaknesses. And in the end, he ended up making a tremendous amount of money on shorting the Thai currency going into the devaluation, which the currency fell by basically, well, the market and the currency together fell by about 95% over a three-year period. But the currency collapsed by more than 50% within six months. And that brings me back to your story and where you're at today. And let's go back to your bio. In your bio, we went through a lot of experience and teaching and working and all of those things. And all of those things add up to long-term experience. And I think that I would like to wrap up my point on what I get from you is that be careful, always try to rely on people as much as you can that do have long-term experience because they may be able to, but maybe not, but they may be able to protect you from a market anomaly. Did I miss anything? No, I think that sounds pretty good. <laughs> All right. So now let's end up with some actionable advice. Based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I, I guess I have a couple. You know, one of them is is keep moving forward. I mean, we uh, like one of the things we do here is we we have one-on-one -on -one coaching and we, we accept students twice a year. And so I've, I've just been talking with a whole bunch of people who are interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching. And every once in a while, I'll get on the phone with somebody and they'll say, oh yeah, well, I don't see why I have to do that. I already know how to trade options. And I don't even have to dig for such a deep story as the one I just told as to why you need to keep learning. My first piece of advice is learn, learn, learn. You know, and, and my second one is, I guess, kind of an offshoot on that. Part of learning is seeing things in all different market environments. You know, like we just got out of a period where, you know, anybody who knew how to sell, sell put spreads, I mean, you, you could not make money. You know, it was easy, you know, but now it's different. Uh, now we have a pretty volatile market right now. And, you know, I, we just released our checklist, five strategies for volatility markets. I, am I able to tell people where to find that? Or? Sure. Please. That be right? um, so, and you guys can actually get that for free. Just go to markettaker.com slash five. So market like stock market taker, like take something two T's in a row, markettaker.com slash five. And, and it's a uh, checklist that gives you five strategies for trading volatile markets. And 
if you're not used to volatile markets, that's a great place to start. And I encourage you to keep learning after that too. That's fantastic. I mean, and that's truly actionable advice for the audience. And I encourage everybody to get to that website. And also I'll put it into the show note. You can click on that and go to it because then <laughs> five strategies, that would be fantastically valuable. So I appreciate that. Now let's wrap this up by telling all of our listeners You've got there another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Dan, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, yeah, I mean, that wraps it up. You know, the more you learn, the more you earn when it comes to trading. Beautiful. Great advice. The more you learn, the more you earn. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth, fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.